Uh, if you want to turn your Bibles to Acts, uh, the book of Acts, and we are, um, if you're using this Bible, you grabbed on the way, and it's page 922. We'll also have the verses up on the, the screen here. But we're in the book of Acts, uh, chapter 15 today. And remember, Acts, the whole focus of the book of Acts is victory, no matter what. No matter what we're facing in our life, no matter what our church is facing, no matter what is going on in our country, in our world, <laughs> it's never boring, is it? Uh, so no matter what's going on, we have, we have victory through faith in Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. That's right. Faith in Jesus, power of the Holy Spirit. What a book it's been. And the title for today is God Can Use Conflict for Good. Anybody in conflict? Well, I think we are, if we're breathing, we're in conflict somewhere, right? So uh, God can use conflict for good, Acts 15, 22 to 41. And I'm going to talk about the Tasmanian devils, first of all, because uh, very interesting. If you've ever, Tasmanian devils are only in one island, uh, the, 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 the Australian island state of Tasmania is their only natural habitat. But I'll just read you the title here. Bites spread fatal devil cancer. And the the facial tumors that have killed thousands of Tasmanian devils could be spread by the animals biting each other when they're fighting over a carcass. So they fight over the dead, you know, whatever they've killed or whatever they're eating, and and they fight and they bite each other, and this is how it's been spreading. The population has fallen from 140,000 to 80,000. It's almost half. Uh, A severely diseased devil is a grotesque sight, large Tumors protrude from the face and neck, sometimes pushing teeth out and invading the eye sockets. As the tumor interferes with feeding, the animals become emaciated and usually die within six months of showing their their bite marks. The disease apparently began with a single sick devil who had this cancer, probably in the mid-1990s, that directly spread the cancer cells by biting other animals. And then they bite other animals, and they bit other animals, and it kept spreading. And the cancer cells um, spread as they bite each other. It's crazy. And they bite each other a lot. That's what this article says. They bite each other a lot, usually in the face and around the mouth. All right? Ooh, some spiritual lessons there, right? Some spiritual lessons there. Sadly, we see this happening in many Churches, this very, very thing happening in many churches. We've all, I think, we've all experienced it at some point or another. Probably, as I'm talking about this, some of you're getting knots in your stomach, right? As you're remembering something painful at a church in the past, uh, we've seen some um, um, amazing churches disintegrate. I've seen amazing churches disintegrate over this very thing: conflict, biting. Cancer spreading, uh, one single person can start it. One single person can start it, and and we've all been part of that, haven't we? We've all been part of this whole process. Uh, I know with our mother church, our mother church, when we planted our, our church out, our mother church was huge, healthy church, making a huge impact. And there was also another sister church that planted out at the same time. Kim and I actually helped that church. And the sister church planted like about a year ahead, two years ahead of us, and was really healthy. And so we two really positive. We had a sister and a mother, and we planted out this church. And, and today, neither of those churches are in existence. They're no longer in existence. They're gone. What happened? Conflict. Conflict, lots of biting, lots of Tasmanian devil bites uh, happened along the way, and they're gone. And you know what? We could be gone very easily, too. We're one bite away. 
You know, I tell people all the time, we're, we're, we're on a cliff. Every church is on a cliff, huh? walking a tightrope. Could be gone any time if we don't deal with conflict in a positive way. And we're going to see a positive way to deal with conflict here in Acts 15, a very intriguing way that the Holy Spirit teaches us. And we're going to also see how God can use conflict for his good purpose. He could even use it for good. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the worship. Thank you for everybody who's able to be here through the ice and the snow and the time changes. And also those who are with us live or live stream or watching this at another time. Father, we just pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to each one of us. And we pray that you would protect our families and our relationships and our church family here. Father, that that we would see a positive way to resolve hurt feelings or a positive way to resolve different opinions and in conflict. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so now the last time we were in the book of Acts, okay, last time, uh, last week we were in Galatians. We took a little veer off, right? Uh, But last time we saw that there was a conflict over legalism. Remember the Christian Pharisees were stressing legalism and Paul and Barnabas confronted them and then they they took it to the church council and we saw the church council decided on Faith and grace, not not work salvation, but faith salvation, and not legalism, but living by grace. Remember, we saw that and talked about that. If you weren't here the last couple of weeks, go back and listen to uh, Acts 15, 1 to 20, and then we went into Galatians chapter 3. Uh, so, And we saw how it was resolved in a very positive way by this council. And now we're going to see a few more key lessons on resolving conflict as we as after they made this decision let's see what happened next and uh we'll pick it up with uh, i'm gonna read it off the screen here uh verse 22 then the apostles and the elders with the whole church decided to choose some of their own men and send them to antioch with paul and barnabas they chose judas called barsabbas and silas men who were leaders among the believers with them they sent the following letter the apostles and elders, your brothers, to the Gentile believers in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia. Wait, wait, you jumped on me there. Hold on. Whoa, whoa. Okay, thank you. Oh, go, just one word I missed. Greetings. We have heard that some went out from us without your, our authorization and disturbed you, troubling your minds by what they said. So we all agreed to choose some men and send them to you with our dear friends Barnabas and Paul. Men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, we are sending Judas and Silas to confirm by word of mouth what we are are writing. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us not to burden you with anything beyond the following requirements. You are to abstain from food, sacrifice to idols, from blood, from the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. You will do well to avoid these things. Farewell. So the men were sent off and went down to Antioch where they gathered the church together and delivered the letter. The people read it and were glad for its encouraging message. Judas and Silas, who themselves were prophets, said much to encourage and strengthen the believers. After spending some time there, they were sent off by the believers with a blessing of peace to return to those who had sent them. But Paul and Barnabas remained in Antioch where they and many others taught and preached the word of the Lord. Okay, so this is the result of the council making the decision. And by the way, I'm going to, my surgeries, my eye surgeries in 10 days. So I hopefully will be able to read all on my own soon. But anyway, that's what's going on for those who didn't know about my cataract adventures. All right, so... Um, so we see when false teaching is involved... 
we must, this is what it shows us, this whole process. If you weren't here the last couple of weeks, this week, we see that it's very important to deal with it. That's an important lesson that we see here. There's false teaching involved. It's important to deal with. It's vital to take it to the church leadership. Here they take it to the, the church council. There weren't many individual churches yet. They hadn't exploded yet. It's going to be in the, in the book of Acts. But they took it to the church council in Jerusalem. Uh, now we would take it to the local church and to the elders. That's why if there's false teaching. We bring it to the elders, uh, church elders of, of our church or any church. And it was very important that they dealt with this because this was very serious false teaching. Work salvation and legalism were very, very serious. And we saw that last week. If you weren't here for Galatians 3, well, first of all, you get to hear some good farm stories. But also, uh, uh, Jan, I told the stacking corn. Remember that, remember that one? So, uh, but the... the It's really important to stress what we saw in Galatians is say by faith, not works, and we have to live by grace, not legalism, right? And so we really drilled that home last week because this was false teaching, serious false teaching. When you mess with salvation, it's huge. It's serious. That's why when churches teach you can jump through these religious hoops to get to heaven or you have to be good enough to get to heaven. Very, very serious because we saw, for it is by grace you are saved through faith and not by works. We saw that last week and we stressed that, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. All right, we really stressed that. So if you weren't here, go back and listen to that one. But it's very important for the church leadership or the or a council to deal with false teaching. The same is true of serious sin. Now we don't deal with every little sin, you know. But but when there's a serious sin that could that could really hurt a family or hurt an individual or hurt a church, really do damage. It's very very important to deal with that. In fact, Matthew 18 talks about that very thing. Matthew 18:15. If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have one them over but if they will not listen take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses if they still refuse to listen tell it to the church and if they refuse to listen even to the church treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector so if there's a serious sin it's important to take it to the to the church to the elders of the church and, and to deal with it very very important so they do the right thing they took the false teaching to the council. It was resolved in a positive way. It's exciting. The conflict is resolved. They send this letter out, which we just saw. And so we see a very positive result, okay? Um, an, another positive result of this conflict resolution uh, was that biblical doctrine was protected. Biblical doctrine was solidified. What was protected, and which was, was salvation by faith, not works, and grace over legalism, that was protected, that was solidified. That is the whole reason uh, why Paul and Barnabas confronted them. But that was another good result. If they had just let it go and let this false teaching permeate, it would have created lots of issues, right? It would have spread through the body of Christ, like it has today in the USA Today. These very things are being taught in many, many churches in the USA Today uh, now. But but they, by taking it to the council and dealing with it, they it was a biblical doctrine was firmly established, 
and, and, and clearly taught that was very important for the body of Christ. We see the same thing positive historically with church councils. Many times in, in history, if you ch- study church history, I know Mikey does lots of church history study. Uh, if you do that, you'll see these church councils that were convened to respond to false teaching. We see that all throughout history. In fact, I'll use one example, the Council of Nicaea uh, and, and biblical canon. There's this, the, church, the Council of Nicaea, one of the main reasons it was put together and called was there was false teaching and they were trying to add books to the Bible. They were trying to add these false gospels, like, I don't know which ones, but like the Gospel of Thomas, which is a false gospel. It was, it, was a, it was made up. It was written by some man, not by the Holy Spirit's leading with the apostles, but it was made up. Thomas didn't write it. But they were trying to interject these different books, false gospels, different books into the canon. The canon has uh, how many books in the Old Testament? 39. And how many books in the New Testament? 27, 66 books in the Bible, okay? And that's the canon, okay? Now, the, by the time of Jesus, the Old Testament canon, what was supposed to be in the Bible, was firmly established. But then when Jesus and the apostles and, 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 and Paul writing, that all had to be established also. And, and, and that was, is, was established very early. If you study the church fathers, you see that their list, the Holy Spirit just confirmed what was supposed to be in the New Testament very clearly. Uh, there was a little give and take here and there, but, but the Holy Spirit really made it clear. Church fathers had a real unified vision because that's, the Holy Spirit confirms it. The Holy Spirit writes, wrote the New Testament, and the Holy Spirit confirmed it, okay? Just like Jesus confirmed the Old Testament many, many times, uh, the, the New Testament was confirmed. And, but lots of books were tried to, sn- they tried to sneak books in, and they were false teaching. A lot of the Gnostic, uh, Gnosticism, uh, the Gnosticism writings were tried to s- s- uh, put in and, and seen equal to the Bible. So when the Council of Nicaea got together, they weren't getting together. A lot of people say, oh, that's, you know, if you, what was that ridiculous book that was written they made into a movie um uh da vinci code da vinci code yeah the da vinci code tried to say well they you know they they got together and they picked the books based on their power and and all that that's not what happened first of all the da vinci code i used to tell people when you go to the get the da vinci code from the bookstore where do you go look for it in the fiction section you know why because it's fiction you know it's not history it's not fact it's fiction there's reason why it was all made up you know it's crazy but and any people i remember talking to people, well i know it was it's not true but it, it just feels true it feels true yeah well, okay delusional and so but uh, but so the the i okay i lost a few friends but anyway the uh but it is, it's delusional. It's a fiction. And what the Da Vinci Code taught is they just kind of pick what books they want, and they were in power, and they decide. That's not what happened in the Council of Nicaea. The Council of Nicaea did not come to decide what was going to be in. They came together to make sure they, nothing was added in. It was already established by the Holy Spirit. The Bible was already established, and they just said these books are not going to be added in. Okay, and that's a positive. Once again, we see false teaching creeping in. The council gets together. They make a decision, and, and the positive is it protected the body of Christ. So, back to the book of Acts. The council meets. They affirm salvation by faith alone. They send a letter, okay, and it protects the body of Christ, and everybody lives hev- happily ever after, right? 
<clears throat> well, let's see. Let's see. Let's pick up with verse 36. I'm going to read it over here again. Uh, verse 36. Some time later, <clears throat> Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preach the word of God and see how they are doing. <clears throat> Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them. But Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord. He went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. How is this even possible? How? They just dealt with this whole big conflict. Paul and Barnabas stood up, dealt with it, resolved it in such a positive way, and then they split. Welcome to the human race. Welcome to the human race. Who was right here? Who do you think was right? Who thinks Paul was right? Raise your hand. Who thinks Barnabas was right? Raise your hand. Well, guess what? They were probably both right. They were probably both right. I was really thinking about this. They probably were. Paul was probably right because Mark probably wasn't ready to go with Paul again. (laughs) Right? He probably wasn't ready to go with Paul. You know, uh, Paul had a very tough leadership style, and he and he was going to go on a really tough trip. Just wait until you see the rest of the book of Acts, what Paul went through. I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure. Who did he bring, Silas? Uh, I'm sure Silas was regretting. Why did I go with Barnabas? What was I thinking? You know. Uh, you know when you pick teams. You know. So it, it was a really tough trip. So probably Mark probably wasn't ready for that, but Barnabas is also right. Because Mark was ready for a trip with Barnabas back in leadership. All right? He was, his leadership style fit his cousin John Mark there. And, and as a result, and, and just showing you they were both right, both teams and trips flourished. They both flourished. They were both blessed by the Holy Spirit. And we see how God works here. And some things to learn from this. One is conflict is inevitable. If you're breathing, you're in conflict. It's just part of our fallen condition. It will always be there. Just look at our country today. Well, look at the world today. Look at our country today. Uh, look Look at your own families, right? Any conflict in your families? Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. Don't nod. Don't even nod, you know. You may be sitting next to one of them. But anyway, the... Uh, you know, work, any conflict in your work situations, any conflict on the sports team you're on, any conflict in the school you attend, uh, you're getting the idea here. You know, it, even even churches have conflict, not our church, but we know other churches that have conflict, right? Uh, it, it's everywhere. Conflict happens. We just can't agree. But what we learn from this is try to keep it as positive as possible. As positive as possible. Leave the door open if you're going to separate. Leave the door open. If, 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 you're, if you leave a church, leave the door open to reconnect again. If you leave a job, leave the door open. You know, you might want to go back there again or they might want to, you know, network again. Uh, if, even marriages. Marriages, there's, I counsel people sometimes, you're going to have to get a separation. It's just too hot. There's too much damage. But not divorce. I don't stress that. But just separate for a time. But leave the door open. You never know. God may 
heal and bring you back together again. And that's the whole goal of biblical separation is bring you back together. But uh, leave the door open. And in time, these two mission teams did what? Reunited. Remember, I preached about that back in Acts 13, 13, when we jumped ahead, and I, the sermon was God gives second chances, and we saw that Paul and Barnabas were completely connected again. And not only Paul and Barnabas, but Paul and Mark ended up very close. Crazy, right? Very close. Working closely in ministry together. They both grew past it all. They both needed time to grow, and they grew past it all. God... It, leave the door open. God can, you know, it can, it can be healed. And God can also use conflict for his purpose, for his purpose. I'm not sure the Holy Spirit wanted the, the conflict, but when it happened, the whole, God, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. God worked it for good. He used it for his purpose. He now had two mission teams, and they made twice the impact. Twice the impact. I, I saw that in a, 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 some churches in this area. I'm not going to name them. But uh, there was a, a church that had a, a group that wanted to plant out. Well, the, well, first of all, this church had two different ministry styles, worship styles. They had these two groups. And so they were having trouble saying, well, why don't we plant out a church? And then we could do both. So they decided to plant out a church. But the mother church tried to control it too much probably an apostle paul in the congregation and uh tried to control it and they they tried to keep they were just too controlling and as a result finally that church plant broke away from the mother church they they said we we can't do it your way we're going to do it our way maybe we have kids like that but anyway they they decided to you know do it their way and and the mother church bit the bullet and said, okay, we're going to let you go and we'll still give our blessing. And the other, this daughter church said, but we're going to still bless you back again. And they kept it positive. They kept it very positive. And that mother church stayed healthy. They, they, they're still going strong and still doing really well, doing their thing their way. Uh, it's a different type of ministry than the, the daughter they planted out, but it's still effective. And the daughter church exploded, exploded. It's seen a tremendous ministry, but they're both doing well. Both of them. And that's a great example of exactly what I'm talking about. What we see here, God can still use the conflict for his good purpose. And sometimes God sends conflict. God God uses conflict for his purpose to redirect us. He he gives us that holy frustration. You know, that's a common thing I think about. The holy he he'll close one door to open another one. And to do that, he uses a conflict to close a door and open a door. He does that for his purpose. He uses a holy frustration in our life to, to, to move us to the next level because we would never move. We get too comfortable, right? So he gives us his holy frustration. Maybe it's in our job. Maybe it's in our ministry. Whatever. There, you could apply it to anything. Anything in your life, he could use this. And maybe to get our kids out of the house, you know. You know a lot of times, you know, parents come to you and say, oh, I'm having so much trouble with my kid. You know, I go, how old are they? They're 20. I go, why are they in your house? You know, get them out of there, you know. And I have to coach parents that, you know, push them out of the nest. But but a lot of times there's this conflict. It's because they, they, the kids stay too long. And, and let's face it, moms would never want their kids to leave. 
right? Mom's mad. They want to keep them all. Their grandchildren, everybody in the house, all one big happy family, right? And and so God and dads are dads are a little more rational, you know, spirit led, you know, whatever you want to call it, uh, mature, and they just don't want to be bothered with them. But anyway, yeah, yeah, not me. But uh, the, the, the 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 but what God purposefully has to give the kids this. You know, an attitude in a sense, independent attitude. They want their independence, and there has to be some friction, or they never leave, and moms will never let them leave. It's natural, normal. God gives us this, you know, start, you're starting to butt heads, you know. Maybe it's 13 for some of us, unfortunately. But, uh, but, but usually, you know, once they're 18, 19, 20, it's time to go. It's time for them to grow, right? And so God uses, and the same thing for all. Many areas of life. God may give you that in your work situation, give you a dissatisfaction, uh, this, this, this frustration, this, this holy frustration. might do it in, in you know, the college. He wants to move you to a different college or school. He might do it with work. He might do it with a church. He might, he might want you to go help plant a church in Lancaster. You know? He might you know, move you. Uh, you know, and, and so God works that way. Back to the conflict part. Sometimes we just can't agree. Even if not God, sometimes we can't agree, and it's just best to agree to disagree. It is okay. Sometimes you just have to hit that point and say, "We'll figure it out in heaven someday." You know, it, 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 sometimes it's best to just agree to disagree. It doesn't mean anyone is necessarily right or wrong. Unless you're disagreeing with me, then you're wrong. But but but, but it doesn't mean anybody's. Why is that? I wasn't joking, Barbara. Sorry. <laughs> Get rid of the dog. <laughs> she loved that last week. Anyway, you have to listen to that one. But uh, it was a skunk story. But anyway, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll revisit it. But but. It doesn't mean anybody's right or wrong. It's just different. It could be just different, a different calling, a different passion that we have. It's nobody's right or wrong. It's just a different passion that God's given one person versus another, a different calling. And, and it, sometimes it might just be better, just like we saw Paul and Barnabas, it might be just better to split amicably, to just split. It, it's hard, but it doesn't mean it has to be the end of the relationship. It doesn't mean that. Look what happened with Paul and John Mark. It's not the end of the relationship. Unless someone turns into a Tasmanian devil, then it usually is the end of the relationship, isn't it? That's the problem. When someone, you know, you ever see the Tasmanian devil? Uh, not just not the Bugs Bunny version, but the, the real one, you know? I love that guy. Yeah. <laughs> so, but if someone turns into that, if we, if we, if we, let's just, if we turn into that, that it will destroy the relationship. It will cut off the chance of ever reconciling again. It will, it will damage the body. It will damage the body. Many times that's when I have to get involved in a church, when our church conflict is when it's starting to hurt the body of Christ. Not because there's a difference of opinion, but someone becomes the Tasmanian devil, starts to bite, starts to bite, starts to spread the poison. And that's the problem. And it, 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 it's better to just be, to split sometimes amicably, and in time we could be reunited. Look for God's timing. Look for God's opening. In time we could be reunited. A great example of this from church history is Whitfield and Wesley. I bet a lot of you don't know this story, but the Great Awakening uh, in the 18th century with Charles 
really George Whitfield, who was the one who started it. But most people remember uh, uh, Wesley, John Wesley, John and Charles. Charles did the music, and John did the church playing. Because Whitfield was the the, the 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 preacher that God used. He 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 went out into the fields, he went into the coal mines, he preached the gospel all over the United Kingdom, in the United States. Massive revival, spiritual awakening called the Great Awakening. So many people turned to Christ, transformed the world. His preaching did that, but it was his preaching opened the door. But John Wesley came behind and established methods to keep it going. Small groups, methods, Methodists. The Methodists at one time were. Well, I'm not going to go into that. But one day, where God, they, the Methodists converted this country, sharing the gospel. And now many of the Methodist churches don't even preach the gospel. But at that time, they were unbelievable. But God used West, Whitfield to preach and Wesley to establish the churches. And they worked amazingly together. And then they got in a fight. They got in a big fight. They split for quite a while. They fought over predestination. Because Wesley hated the concept of predestination. And he would speak violently against it. And Whitfield believed in it. But Whitfield had a lot was a lot better uh, handling his position. <laughs> he didn't he didn't he didn't do as much biting. Uh, but they both did some biting. But they, they got in this big fight over it. And and they started to they really it really separated for a while. And I'll just read a couple of quotes just to give you an idea of what they were saying. Here's John Wesley. I'll just read you one paragraph. What he said: This is the blasphemy clearly contained in the horrible decree of predestination. And here I fix my foot. On this I will join issue with every essenter of it. You represent God as worse than the devil, more false, more cruel, more unjust. And I'm not even saying it as harsh as he did. Right? That was Wesley. Whitfield, he was a little smoother, but that's what he said. Oh, give yourself to reading. Study the covenant of grace down with your carnal reasoning. It often fills me with pleasure to think, he's talking to Wesley here, writing to Wesley, to think how I shall behold you casting your crown down at the feet of the Lamb as it were filled with a holy blushing for opposing the divine sovereignty in the manner you have done. Yeah, you can see this went back and forth publicly. It was crazy, right? And, and it got pretty hot. But they finally decided to agree to disagree. They came back together after a couple years. And Whitfield was really a moderate Calvinist. He did not let the doctrine of predestination, I'm just going to read you the quote, hinder him from offering grace to all. He preached grace to all. Uh, and then John Wesley allowed that some souls. <laughs> it's so funny. Some souls might be elected to eternal life. Not all, but some might be elected. <laughs> so not every, you know, there's still free to everybody. But he, he admitted there could be some people elected to, you know, it was, it was, we've been seeing in the book of Acts, right? And there was a reconciliation between the two. Finally, Whitfield let go of his churches. He turned his churches over to Wesley because he's like, Michael, my call is to preach. And, 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 and he, they went out there and it was such a reconciliation that um, 
you know, Whitfield said, I see my job is to scatter the seed, and Wesley's job is to gather the crop. And they, they saw it that way. And on his, uh, on his death, Whitfield's death, Charles Wesley penned a noble elegy, and at Whitfield's request, his funeral sermon was preached by none other than John Wesley. No matter how intense the conflict. I know some of you are thinking, why are they fighting over that? This was a big deal then. But what still is in some circles. But uh, the key is no matter how hot it gets, try to keep the door open so that you can reconnect, so that you can reconcile. No matter how, especially in the body of Christ, keep it that way. Look for God's timing and opening to reconcile. Maybe you're in conflict right now. Maybe God is trying to teach you something through this passage about someone or something about conflict. Maybe, maybe God is leading you through conflict. You're realizing that God is leading you to the next step. He's using conflict to frustrate, to force you to consider changes in your life. He's using that. Or you would never move. You would never leave. You would never take that next step God wants you to take. But he's using that. Romans eight twenty eight, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. God works it all together for good, for his purpose. Maybe you are in conflict with God today. Maybe you're here or you're watching or listening and you are in conflict with God. You have never made peace with God because of your sin, because of your rebellious life, because of your your living a life that goes against God's word. Not the not the life that he has his purpose for your life. You're not living that life and you you still have sin. You still have Sin that's not forgiven. You've never reconciled with God. Remember last week we talked about at one minute. You've never had atonement at one minute with God again. But you can have that. Conflict restored. Conflict resolved. Your relationship restored with God through his son Jesus Christ. Because Jesus made the way. John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God gave his one and only son. There's only one son of God. He gave Jesus who died on a cross in our place, took our punishment. Remember we talked about it last week. Our substitute, our ransom. He was the one who, who, who took our place on that cross, our sin on himself, Paid for it all. Once for all. It is finished. And, and the, the, in order to resolve, he paid that price. He took our place, but we have to put our faith in him. Whoever believes in him. Remember we talked about believing. doesn't mean just believe in your head. It means to believe in your heart. It means to put your faith in. Remember the, last week, the airplane, getting on the plane and trusting Jesus to take us to God. You know, we, we, we can't get there on our own. We have to put our faith in Jesus Christ. Have you ever put your faith in Christ and resolved that conflict with God and become at one with God again and living out your purpose here, having real life here, and having eternal life someday with God? Every one of us can have that by putting our faith in Jesus Christ. Let's pray.
as we go to this time of prayer, how is the Holy Spirit speaking to us through his word? First of all, maybe you're here today and you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ. You've never become at one with God. You've never had your sin forgiven. You are still God's enemy in conflict with him, facing life here and eternity apart from God. You can end that conflict right now by putting your faith in Jesus Christ. The simple prayer of faith based on John 3:16 for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life the simple prayer of faith God I believe Jesus was your son I believe he died on the cross for my sin To pay the price for my crime. And I turn away from that sin, God. I repent of that sin. I walk away from my old life. The sin, the shame, the rebellion, the garbage. I don't want it anymore. Forgive me. Because I'm putting my faith in Jesus. His death, His resurrection. I believe in Jesus. I put my trust in Him. I give my life. To Jesus Christ. If you have prayed that prayer of faith, you have just received life. A brand new life right now, starting right now on this planet Earth that will go on throughout all of eternity in heaven someday with God. Your life will never be the same. You now have the Holy Spirit living in you. You're in for the shock of your life. And I want to encourage you to tell somebody, if you want to tell me on the way out or fill out the card or if you have a family member or a friend here or or home, you can tell, tell somebody, co-worker who you know is a Christian, tell somebody so that we can be excited for you and encourage you and help you grow in your new life in Christ. For those of us who are already Christians, how has the Holy Spirit been speaking to us? Maybe he's convicted us about a conflict that we're in. Maybe we've been handling it the wrong way. And we say, God, give me the grace to to, to handle it the right way.
maybe God's trying to tell us something with what we're going through. And our prayer is, God, what are you trying to tell me? Maybe there's something you want to change in me. Or maybe there's a change in my life you're trying to accomplish. You're trying to take me in a new direction. Another step. Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit would lead us and guide us and show us what you're trying to do in and through us and in our life. Pray this in Jesus' name. I want to thank you so much for being here today, live or live stream. I hope you have a wonderful day ahead and a better week. You're dismissed. Thank you so much.